0: her home church. Isn't that amazing? And uh, I'm going to share a little bit more this this morning about some of the other things that our church families involved in, but I want to pray for our two missionary families here right now. Let's just stand as we pray and open our hearts to God. You know, one of the burdens that I have as a pastor, and I I shared this in the first service, is that when I get up in the morning, first thing I do is say the Lord's Prayer because I want to be on God's page. But the second thing I do is I start praying for these guys. And I'll tell you why. Because how many know out of sight, out of mind? And so, I mean, they can stand in front of us today and we're cheering them on. That's great. But for a lot of the time, it's lonely, it's difficult, it's challenging, and they need our support. And so, and I also want us to know that not only do we want to support them with our prayers, that's why I think it's good to go down there. I think there's like 28 different uh, ethnic groups down there fixing food for us, which is really a neat experience. It's free to you, but then you can get to understand the dynamic, how much ministry this church is doing around our world right now. And as Paul uh, shared with me, uh, Paul Miller, he just said, you know what? The Cuban church is praying for living stones. When I'm in India, the Indian church is praying for living stones. Do you realize because of our generosity of giving and giving and sending, people around the world are praying for us. Isn't that a beautiful thought? And you know, when we get to heaven one day, people are going to walk up to you. Just because of your giving to our church, we take a tenth of everything that you give to our general fund and we give it to missions. And last year we gave $350,000 to missions from this church. And so people in the other parts of the world, they're so thankful because they don't have those resources, they express thanksgiving and prayer back on our behalf. People are going to walk up to you in eternity and say, because of you, I'm in heaven. Because of you, I'm here. Your giving, your generosity. And so we're going to pray today for our missionaries. Lord, I just want to thank you for the Bloomfields, the Millers, and so many others. I think of Rachel, Pino. I think of uh, Raisa, Majit, uh, Paul and Lynn, Jim and Cowan, all of these people serving you. Lord, I just pray, watch over Lisa and Ashu. Just do a mighty work in and through their lives. Protect them, watch over them, provide, deliver Make them fruitful in these lands, we pray. And we thank you for that. Now, Lord, open our hearts. Because what I'm going to share today really is is, is challenging because it speaks to us of the mission field we're living in right here in central Alberta. I pray, Father, that you will open our eyes to understand we have a similar task, Lord, even as we've been challenged by Josh. We are called to make disciples. Lord, help us to be more effective than we ever have before. In Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me just... uh, throw out a few other things that we're involved in right now for in in red deer itself you know we have been highly engaged in the central alberta uh, pregnancy care center from its very inception Uh, our church family has been so generous we actually helped them get into their first physical building big time donations from this church we've been one of their primary supporters for probably 30 years. So I just want you to know that you know, we're not just doing things overseas, we're actually doing things in Red Deer. Currently, we're involved in mustard seed, both financially, and many of our people are going and serving in that ministry as well. We've been helping uh, Kevin Corthius with uh, Youth Unlimited, that's kind of used to be uh, uh, Youth for Christ and Kevin has been ministering in the high schools, particularly Lindsay Thurber, and some of the things that he's been involved in have been amazing. We've also been helping Paul and Lynn Reich as they've been training leaders in Caroline, Alberta, at Clearview Bible College. And then I want you to know we've been highly engaged in a ministry uh, in the Middle East. And so we've been supporting radio broadcasts in the Farsi language probably for the last 15 years or so, And I I want to just say to you today, one of the most exciting mission fields in the world, the fastest growing part of the world, the more people are coming to Christ at a greater number is in the country of Iran. How many are just like amazed? This is a very closed country, but I just wanted to let you know that Iranians speak Farsi, and that's the radio broadcast we've been sending in for the last 15 years. So others have been doing it, but we've been doing it for quite a long time now, and there's fruit now really coming out of the country of Iran. As a matter of fact, one of the people that became a Christian from Islam, studying to be an imam, was Reza Tarabi. Reza has been a part of our missions ministry, and Reza has been ministering to Afghanis, Uh, people from Pakistan, many of the uh, Syrians and the refugees that have been pouring into Europe. race has been deeply involved in that ministry. And when Patty and I travel to India next year, we're stopping, we're spending an entire week in Germany where we will be ministering with him to a large Muslim community, preaching the gospel to them. So it's really exciting what God is doing. The doors that have been opened is incredible. You know, we've brought Majid in here. Some of you know who I'm talking about. And then you think about... Um, The ministries that the Humphreys have been involved in. The thousands of people have reached. There's been an amazing revival in the country of Myanmar. This is a highly... Uh, closed door, persecuted country, many displaced people in that nation, and yet thousands are coming to Christ. And like, and I've seen pictures you know, where Jim is literally baptizing thousands of people. It's just, it's mind-boggling what God is doing around the world. And folks, we're a part of that. We've been seeding c- and sending money and encouraging those missionaries all, all the way to Laos, which is a communist country. So our church has been involved in many areas in the world that we don't really talk about Talk about because they're penetrating into these closed areas. And so Lisa and Ashu are ministering there in that closed country and the 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 people group that Ashu is from is actually a highly evangelistic group. They're the ones that are winning all the other tribal groups in the area and they transcend borders. How many know indigenous people many times are not restricted by governments within their borders because they're beyond their borders and so they're ministering outside of their borders all the time and bringing the gospel to other groups of people which I think is extremely exciting. And then we have Dr. Thomas who's come here once a year for the last 16, 17 years. And it's been amazing since we started working with them in 2003, which is now 16 years. And their ministry has grown from about 900 churches now to 1,900 churches, which is really amazing. That's planting a thousand churches over the course of 16 years. How I many think that's incredible what's going on there? We're, we're behind that. You know You know why he's, like Dr. Thomas is very loyal to our church because we're, there's only three primary churches supporting that incredible ministry, and we're one of them. That just tells you most people are not engaged in missions today, and that's unfortunate. And then I think about what we're doing in South America. Right now, South America's one of the fastest growing parts of the entire world, people coming to Christ. And uh, last uh, April when I went to the conference in Chicago, I met with our missionary down in Central America. He's uh, married to a Colombian lady. He's been in Colombia. His dad was a missionary there. They met with us in Chicago and had a long conversation with them. We're going to actually intensify our support there because in the last number of years, we've been... We've been starting, with the help of the uh, people in South America, we've been starting three new churches every single year for the last 10 years. So we're just planting churches like crazy in South America. And the reason they can do it is because, you know, they need the resources. They actually have people waiting in line to start churches in South America. So we want to step up and even do more there because they're just waiting for resources to actually begin to implement that that, uh, plan. So I'm excited about some of the things that our church family is involved in. You know we have that TV on the wall over that big map in the foyer. If you ever walk over there, there's a lot of clips and pictures explaining some of the people and their ministries there. And we're going to try to keep that updated. So every once in a while, just take a look at what's happening there. But while we're focusing on that, I want to just zero in on something that I think is extremely critical for us to understand. As great as all of this is... We need to see the need in Canada like we never have before. Do you know in 1950, 65% of all Canadians attended church on a weekly basis? Today, that number has declined so dramatically. I think there's less than 15% of our nation that actually attends church on a weekly basis. And how many have noticed in the last seven years, I'm not even that old, but in the last seven years, there's been such a moral decline in this country of Canada. This used to be an amazingly Uh, powerful, godly country in many ways. So much of the benefits that we have experienced as Canadians, the freedoms, the, the, the privileges, the incredible things that people have endured came as a result of people who had a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We had a Judeo-Christian ethic in their nation. But today, as we look at our country, we've turned our backs on God. And we have huge social issues mushrooming up all around us. And how many can say it is so evident there's a problem in our nation today? And folks, you and I need to know that Canada is an incredible mission field today. This used to be a sending nation I believe God is sending people back to us from the mission field to help us even reach our own country. And we need to take this seriously. So I want to take a look briefly today on what it means to be a missional person. To live a missional life. In other words, to have a sense in your life that you are called by God for a purpose. And I believe that for many of us today, we settle for too little. And what I mean by that is we're so busy focusing on our temporal goals that we actually have missed this whole idea of having an eternal goal. Can I just say what happens to us when you and I set an agenda in our lives and then that doesn't become realized? We get upset with God. We feel like God's letting us down because we have an agenda and God's not meeting our, our agenda But can I just say something to you and I? We have to remind ourselves, God has an agenda. And as a matter of fact, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, think about what you're saying when you pray that prayer. You're saying, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. In other words, God, I'm asking you to set the agenda for my life. And how many can see that if we ask God to set the agenda for our lives, God's plan may be different than your plan. But I'm going to say this to you, that God's plan is always greater. God's plan is far more dynamic. God's plan is far more excited. And God will give us the resources to accomplish his plan. It is so exciting. Do you know when I came here in 1984, there were six people. I had a vision that we would have a large congregation in our city, that we'd actually secure 10 acres of property, and that we would actually start averaging 1,000 people, and that's exactly what's happened. We're, I've actually realized the thing that God put in my heart to see happen. You see, when, you have, when your plan is God's plan, God makes it happen. God brings it about in our lives. And so I'm gonna challenge us today that you and I live a missional life. So how in the world can we get to that place where we live this missional life? And I wanna look at three steps to becoming a missional person, a person with a mission from God, okay? You don't have to join youth with a mission. You and I are a part of God's mission. You don't have to you know, travel overseas to do missions. Missions is right in front of you. You and I are called by God to a certain destination. See, many of you don't even understand this. We have to get our minds in a more biblical orientation. What I mean by that is, If God has asked you to teach school, if God has asked you to be a nurse, if God has asked you to pick up the garbage, if God has asked you to be an accountant or whatever vocation that you're in, can I tell you right now, that's your mission field. God is calling you to that place so that you and I can live the life of Christ and bring his gospel into that realm. You see, we need to understand that your job is a sacred job. Get out of this mindset that there's a sacred job and a secular job, all work is sacred. All of us are called by God to a sphere of activity. And so what we need to be doing is getting up in the morning and say, Lord, where are we working together? Who is it you want me to minister to today? Who is it you want me to pray for today? Who is it you want me to hear? There are problems today. Who is it you want me to help today? It's powerful. It can change the way you go to work. A lot of people, you know, they get up on Monday morning and go, oh, I gotta go to work. You know? Or you can get up on morning and say, hey, Lord, we're going to our mission field. What, the, what are we going to do there? How are you going to use us in this sphere today? It's a totally different way of looking at how to live our lives, and it's far more exciting. So I think what we need to do is take a step back, reevaluate and understand what really it means to be a Christian and what does God have in mind for our lives And so we look here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about what Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, and after suffering he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now how many know that prior to that moment, the disciples had really messed up. we know that? That Jesus had come to the cross, they had all deserted him, they you know, denied knowing him, they abandoned him, one of them betrayed him. And so I've just put down here, the disciples had failed Christ in his greatest hour, and they felt it deeply. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of us don't feel like we're competent or ready to do this, one of the main reasons is we just feel so much defeat in our lives and we have a kind of a failure complex and we live with a lot of shame in our lives. And I want to just speak a word of encouragement to you. Do you realize that when you ask God to forgive you, that you need to forgive yourself? When You, you need to understand that God hits the reset button. You know, some of you probably thought, if I could only do it all over again, I'd do it differently. Can I just say this? You can You can actually start today and say, I'm gonna do it all over again from this day forward. I can can literally change my future by making a decision in this moment. This present moment can change what tomorrow's gonna hold for me. I'm no longer gonna let the past define who I think I am and what I've done to this point. I'm not gonna let yesterday define my tomorrow. I'm gonna make a decision to believe what you say about me. And think about Peter. After denying that he knew Jesus, 50 days later, he's the appointed person that God used to speak On the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people came into God's kingdom. How many would have picked Peter to be your primary spokesperson after messing up that badly? Why would God do that? Because our God is a God of the second chance. Aren't you glad for that? Or think of Jonah. Here's a man that God spoke to and said, Hey, I want you to go over to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I don't want to go over there. I don't want to give those guys another opportunity to get right with you. I don't want to speak this message. I want them to get wiped out you know, and so he refused to go, and he got on a boat, and God had a plan, and he got on the boat, and a storm came along, and finally the sailors threw him overboard, and a fish came along and swallowed him up, and he had the first submarine ride, and he had a change of heart and mind, he said, God, this is not good, I'll do what you want me to do, God's had this fish him up on the land, he goes into town, Nineveh, I can just see this guy, you know, seaweed around his head, you know, looks a little blanched, he'd been in the fish's belly for a few days, probably didn't smell that nice, nobody wanted to be around him, he thought, okay, I'll tell him what God says, you know, if you guys don't shape up, God's going to take you out, and you know what, he probably thought, they're not going to listen to me anyway, so I'm okay, but guess what, God's spirit was at work, God spoke into the heart of the king and all the people, and they repented, isn't that an amazing story, you know, I think it's amazing, God gave Jonah a second opportunity. You need to know this. Our God is the God of the second chance. Our God is the God of new beginnings. And you and I need to embrace those things and say, okay God, I wanna be this missional person that you're calling me to. It's so important that we understand you know, this idea of being a missional person. First step to being it, embrace God's purpose. Okay, I want to be God's purpose, I want to do God's will, I want to fulfill God's agenda. Number two, I need help. How many ever felt like, you know, that's a good idea, Pastor, it sounds good, but I don't know if I can carry it out. Here's where you need to hear the second part. We can receive God's power. We can receive God's abilities to do the job. And you know, these guys that were the disciples, I've looked at their lives, I probably wouldn't have picked them. I have to, sorry, sorry, Jesus, I just probably wouldn't have picked these guys. It just, you know, they they were a little slow on the uptake. How many know that? Jesus kept reminding, hey, aren't you guys gonna get this stuff yet, you know? Right? And Peter kept putting his foot in his mouth, and they were arguing about who's gonna be the greatest. There was a lack of humility. I could just go down on all the difficult things that were going on in their lives. You know what? Jesus picked them anyways. When Jesus picks somebody, he can change them. And Jesus can use anyone to do what he wants to get accomplished. You know, he, they were walking around with Jesus, watching what Jesus was doing. Okay, how many know you learn from being around people, know what they're doing? And so they were following Jesus. Then the Bible says this, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Can I just say something? You know, we had so much focus in our culture today on the enemy and the dark side. Isn't that true? You know, all the stuff, the medium, witchcraft, junk on TV, and everyone's glorifying the evil, or they're terrified of the evil. Can I just say this? If you and I know Jesus, God is living inside of us. How many know the demons, and the demons tremble at the presence of the living God? So you may not think that you're much, but I'm going to tell you something. Who lives inside of you is so great, it's amazing, that even the demons are going to run from you. Once you understand this, you don't have to be scared. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Notice Jesus was promising them the very person of the holy spirit it says in verse four on one occasion while he was eating with them he gave them this command do not leave jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you've heard me speak about for john baptized with water but in a few days you'll be baptized with the holy spirit what's he really telling him he's saying look i've been hanging with you guys i'm god in the flesh but i'm when i'm gone you know what you're on your own But he says, I'm going to take care of the problem. I'm going to actually do something even better. I'm going to come and live inside of you. So now God decides to live inside of us. So the moment we give our life to Jesus, not only do we have eternal life, but we have God living inside of us. That's why Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all people, baptizing the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. And lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. How can God say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Because he says, "I'm gonna live inside of you." Is that amazing? God's living inside of us. You ever have that moment where you go, "Whoa, this is amazing!" The God whom the universes cannot contain is living inside of me. You, you, you just need to you need to pray, God. Can you make that real to me that you're living inside of me? You see, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in you and me. Oh, is that amazing? And we're walking around God. Oh, God, I just can't do this. God goes, what do you mean you can't do this? I know you can't do this, but I can do this. And I live inside of you. Why don't you just listen to me and we'll do it? How many are tracking with me right now? You see, all the problems we have is because we're looking at ourselves and saying, I cannot do this. And God says, yeah, but I'm inside here and I can do it. <laughs> Let me out, you know, <laughs> Right? Let me loose. You know, it's so fun. Think about this. You know, I keep telling people, read the Bible every day. You go, why do you say that, Pastor? Because then you're feeding the Holy Spirit all this information. And you have no idea what God can do with this stuff. I remember one day, we were on a trip. We went to Jamaica. You know, we went to this place, Dunn River Falls. Some of you have probably been there, right? And they do the little video thing. I didn't have the 10 bucks to get the video, and the girls wanted it, so I said, okay. And they said, listen, we can't bring the video in, you're gonna to have to come out of the resort. I said, no problem. How many know when a guy comes out of the resort, you have a lot of people on you? Just like, you know, it's like fly on fly flypaper. I mean, they just came out of the woodwork. And the first guy up says to me, hey, man. You know, everyone's, hey, man. You know, I've got some really good stuff. You know, like, I said, what do you mean? I got some really good dope. I said, I've got something greater than that. He said, what do you have? I said, I got Jesus. I didn't even know I was gonna say that, right? You know, it just came out. You know, so the guy says to me, yeah, but I'm a Pentecostal. I said, well, you're sure not acting like one. You know, he says, you don't understand how poor we are here, pastor. And I, I, I was chatting with him. I told him I was a pastor. You don't understand how poor we are here. I said, I do know I can make an extra living. I said, hey, listen, buddy, if you can grow marijuana plants, you can grow tomato plants. You can grow some other stuff in the yard, ER, right? Besides marijuana plants. You know, and he's just looking at me like, I said, really, what you're telling me is you just don't trust God. You know, he's freaking out. So I just told him, you know what? I think God sent me all the way from Canada down here to talk to you. (laughs) And he's looking at me like, whoa, this is a heavy contact, right? He just tried to sell marijuana. He's got a whole guy coming on him, full of the Holy Ghost, right? I said, give me your hand. He gives me his hand, I'm gonna pray for you. Okay, pastor. Uh, I'm praying for him. Do you know once I got done praying, all the other people are gonna bug me? They all disappeared. (laughs) They were gone. You say, why is that? I don't need that stuff, right? Now you say, why is that? And it it just kind of comes out like that. You say, why does that happen, Pastor? If you let the Holy Spirit loose in your life, things will be said and done that will have an impact in people's lives. Isn't that true? Come on now, we're supposed to live a missional life. It says here, uh, we have to move beyond ourselves to become missional people, Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter five and verse 18. He says, don't get drunk on wine which will ruin you. See, which leads to debauchery, which is reckless living. How many say that we're living in a culture today that is so broken and is so addicted? Wouldn't you say that's true? But rather than living like that, he says, be filled with the spirit. Now, it's an interesting, you know, Sometimes in the English, we just get, it sounds like it's a one-time thing, but no, it's in the continuous tense in the Greek language. It says, be continuously filled with the Spirit. In other words, you and I need to get up in the morning and say, hey, God, we're, you know, we're connecting. We're, we're relating to each other. We're, we're in fellowship with God so that when we get going in our day, it's you and God. Isn't that amazing? And we're full of the Spirit. And you never know who's gonna talk to you and say something, you know? And if you're filling yourself in the life of the Spirit, things will come out of you. You'll go, where did that come from? I mean, I had no idea I was gonna say that to that Jamaican guy. I had no, I don't even know where that came from. It was just like right now, you know, like, whoa, did I say that, you know? That was the Holy Spirit. He knew exactly what to say to catch a person's attention. Let me just move on to the third uh, element. These are all... With the Holy Spirit. Okay, be filled with the Spirit. The third one. Not only do we have to embrace God's purpose, not only do we have to receive God's power, and by the way, when we receive Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. But what we need to do is be filled with the Spirit. The third one is we need to bring God's presence into our world. The greatest need this planet has is a spiritual invasion. Can I just say this? You know all the problems we're having in our community? They're really underneath their spiritual. Do you realize that? You know what we're doing? How many know that if you take a plant and you go, you just trim it back? What, What are you actually doing? You're pruning. And what happens when you finish pruning something? It comes back with a vengeance, does it not? It grows even bigger. Do you know what our culture is doing with all our problems? They're pruning. That's all they're doing. And they just come back with a vengeance. Isn't that true? You know what Jesus said? If you want to get to the plant, you've got to get to the root of it. Do you know what the root of most of our problems are? They're spiritual. When a culture has abandoned God, you get the, all of the problems that we're experiencing right now. What we need is for people to come back to God. When people come to God, their lives begin to change. When you and I surrender to God... Our attitude changes. The direction of our life changes. The purpose of our life changes. You know, we get excited and happy about things that before we had no interest in. It's the truth. And then all of a sudden, the things we used to be interested in that were self-destructive behavioral patterns—all of a sudden, we have no interest in those things because we go, "That's dead end. That's empty. It doesn't satisfy the soul." So if we're going to be a missional person, what we're trying to do is bring the presence of God into people's lives. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And then he talks about location. But let me just stop and say this. The power to be a witness, the power to bring God's presence. See, God lives in us, and the Bible says you and I are the temple of the living God. But we're the ones that are bringing God's presence into situations. So you know, it's so funny when people come to me and say, "You know, Pastor, I'm the only Christian that work in this place. This is great." They think that's a bad thing. You know, trans you know transferring me to where all the Christians are. I'm going. Yeah, but usually guys bicker. You know, that's usually what happens. No. It's good when you're in this place, you're the only Christian. It's not easy, it's hard. You get ridiculed, you get persecuted, you, know, you feel alone, you, nobody understands you, but you're the little light. So why would God say, oh, I'm gonna remove the little light and leave them in total darkness? God wants to illuminate our world, so he sends us into these places so that we will be the light in the darkness. We will be the salt in a decaying society. That's why God puts us in those places, so you and I can let our little light shine. Amen? That's the goal. So what are we witnesses of? what Jesus did, his death and resurrection. That's what we're witnesses of. It means that my life has been radically impacted by that reality. I'm not just living for myself, rather I'm living for Christ. Listen to how Paul writes it in Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. You know how powerful that text is? You ever thought about if you and I can allow that to really grip us? It's not about me, it's about Christ in me. It's not about what I want, it's about what Christ wants through me. It's not about my agenda. It's about Christ's agenda flowing out of me. And I discovered something. When that happens, we become happy. You see, we're all striving to be happy in this world. And I'm telling you, the fastest way to be happy is to give your life fully over to Christ and do his will. That's the fastest way to get happy. How's that? But we think, no, no, I want God to do something for me. God goes, no, I want to do something for you, all right. I want to transform you and change you and make you that instrument where you can actually be used by me to bring blessing and help in people's lives. And that'll bring you the greater joy. Wow. So what is, what is evangelism? It's telling people that God saves them from sin. You know, we had a funeral the other Thursday. And I actually, I, I knew that, you know, the word sin now, people don't understand it. It's, it's an archaic term in our culture. It's a theological term. It doesn't just mean bad things. You know what it means? Alienation. You're alienated from God, which means that we're lonely. Don't you think most people today are walking in loneliness? They're in a crowd, but they're lonely. They have friends, but they're still lonely. That's because of sin. That's what sin does to us. When you and I are in a right relationship to God, the loneliness disappears. I have a union with God, so I can be alone and not feel lonely. Isn't that amazing? Because Christ is living within, and that's what we need to understand. You know, what adorns that message or makes it believable is when we live a holy life, when we live a life that's different than the culture. They can't understand why you don't want to do what they're doing. I go, why would I want to do that? It leads to death. You know, I know it leads to life. I'm demonstrating the life of God for people because you're living a certain way, Right? So we have to preach the same message and strive to live it as perfectly as we can. And there's two major factors that contribute to the church's powerlessness in our culture today. And you say, what are they? This is John MacArthur. He says, first, many are ignorant of biblical truth. I think that's true. A lot of Christians just don't know the Bible. You know, listen, if you read your Bible every day, you'll no longer be ignorant of what's in there. Number two, you may know the biblical truth, but often we fail to live by it. And then we diminish the, the, the power of the message. You see, it's like when you live it and you speak it, there's harmony, and it works. It, it affects the way people live life. You know, the way out of life's frustrations, according to James Reed, and I like this quote, is found not by resenting our limitations, but by accepting the place of frustration at the sphere of God's purpose. And what is he saying? So often, God is the one that brings us to a difficult place. And you know what we do? We wrestle with it and we're upset because we feel like, I can't get beyond this thing. What we need to see it as, this is the opportunity God wants to do something powerful in. And let me just give you an illustration of this. When Israel came out of uh, Egypt, remember that? The Spirit of God was a fire by day and a cloud by night. But where did God lead them to? He led him to the Red Sea. How many know this story? How many go, Moses probably, people thought, you know, Moses, you're a terrible leader. You just brought us to the Red Sea. There's no way out of this. Moses goes, hey, listen, I'm just following the cloud by, uh, the fire by night and the cloud by day. I'm just following God here. And God brought him to a place of what we'd call importunity, a, a difficult place But God did that on purpose. Why does God bring us to the end of ourselves? Why does God bring us to these places in our lives? So he can part waters. So god it's an opportunity for God to work. And when the waters parted, the Israelites went out through on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do the same thing, it didn't work for them. The waters came back and drowned them. Actually, God was taking care of a big problem in their life. He was getting rid of a bunch of enemies in their lives. And so when you and I come to those difficult places, many times what God is doing is delivering us from self-dependency. And leading us to a place of utter dependency upon him. And that's the greatest way to live our lives. Well, let me just close with a story. Some of you probably know an artist by the name of Michelangelo. Anybody have ever heard of Michelangelo? You guys are chuckling. Yeah, he's very famous, right? And if you've been to Rome, and I've had that privilege, and I've been to the Sistine Chapel. Hey, you've probably seen pictures of the Sistine Chapel. Remember the hand of God pointing down to the hand of man. You know, I've been I've seen it. What a privilege to be there. But I was just thinking, do you know what really shaped Michelangelo as a person? He heard a little Dominican preacher by the name of Savonarola. Savonarola was preaching in a day, you know, there wasn't any Protestant churches in those days. Okay, this is before Martin Luther's time. And what he was he doing? He was speaking against the abuse of power and of the indulgent and immoral lifestyle of both civic leaders and priests including the pope how many know when you're a preacher and you're pointing out the sins of people above you you're probably going to get into trouble and Savonarola was eventually excommunicated he was tortured he was hung he was burnt finally they dumped his ashes in the river arno and yet the memory of Savonarola, not only his sermons and his writings never left the mind of michelangelo His preaching of the criticisms of the church's moral decay and external ceremonies, and his preaching on salvation by by faith continued to echo in his mind. And this is what Michelangelo wrote. He says, An artist must maintain a good life, if possible, be holy, so that his intellect can be inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's pretty profound, isn't it? What is he saying? You want God to really work in your life, you better give your life over to him. And when you do that, something's going to change inside of you. So I'm going to have a stand as we close the service because, you know, I look at our city. I've lived in this city for over 30 years, and I'm going to say this. It wasn't always this bad. Boy, some of you haven't lived here very long. Anybody lived here as long as I've lived here? How many could say it was, it was, there was a better day? There was a better day. And I see all the brokenness in our community. I say, well, that's just more people, Pastor. I go, no, there's a moral decay. And it's so evident in our city. What are we going to do about it? You see, I don't think putting more money is going to change anything. I don't think more police officers are going to change anything. I'm being honest. I don't think it's going to change anything. You know what's going to change people? They have to experience Christ. How are they going to experience Christ if no one goes and tells them? it's not going to happen folks these people don't know any different they're just behaving with all the knowledge they have there needs to be missionaries to the city of Red Deer and I'm looking at them it's a mission to life when you and I get passionate in our hearts and say okay God it's not what I want what is your will something begins to happen God can send you to all kinds of people in the city. People are going to come to faith in Christ. Drug addicts, people that are struggling with prostitution, people struggling with all kinds of issues, broken families, broken homes, misplaced priorities. All those things can change. How many here can say, you know what, I'm a product of Jesus changing my life. I got my hand up. Jesus changed my life. You see, some of you grew up in the church, but for some of us, Jesus transformed my life. I was broken. I was broken and undone. If I would have been, if I would have kept the course I was going, I can tell you something right now. Yeah, I'd be dead. Not only that, it, there wouldn't be this church because I wouldn't be here. You see, one life, one, you have no idea what one life, the difference one life can make. You have no idea the person you may look, walk by, and you go, there's no hope for that person. God can transform that person. God can make them a mighty voice in our nation. God can change people's lives. He's in the change business. But you and I have to live missional lives. Can you imagine if everyone in this church said, okay, God, from this day forward, forget about what I did yesterday. I'm not even gonna consider, you know, my disobedience and all that nonsense. I'm just gonna lay my life down right now at the cross and say, okay, here's my life. From this point on, it's your will, your agenda make my life missional, make my life missional. Can you imagine if some of us just go, I'm gonna take this to heart, I'm gonna run with it. You know what's gonna happen? God's gonna use you. God is gonna use you in powerful ways way beyond anything you could ever think or even imagine. See, we're so afraid that if we really fully surrender to God, he's gonna mess with us somehow and we're gonna be really messed up. I'm gonna tell you right now, until you do that, you will never fully live. If you haven't done that yet, you're not fully alive. You're not fully alive yet. The moment you fully surrender and say, okay, God, here's my life, do whatever you want, and you just take me wherever you want me to go and do whatever you want me to do, you're gonna come fully activated, you're gonna become fully alive. God's gonna start directing your paths, it's gonna be an amazing journey, and you're gonna impact and influence people's lives. God's gonna use you. I'm just going to raise my hand. Lord, here's my life. Some of you, you're younger. You got a lot longer to influence people. Some of you are older. You just say, okay, I only got so many years left. Make these, let's maximize these years. That's what I'm praying. As I'm getting older, I'm saying, okay, God, let's accelerate it. Let us become more effective and more fruitful than I've ever been. That's been my prayer. God, help me to become more effective and more fruitful than ever before. Amen? That's where I'm at in my head. I'm just saying, God, let's do this. Let's go to another level. What, you want to read a scripture, Kathy? Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Pastor Mark is gonna oh, he's gonna give you a mic. Then I'm gonna pray. This has been
1: kind of burning in my heart for a couple of days, and when Paul preached this message, I just really felt I had to read it too. Church. It's uh, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, the Holy Spirit, because he is the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of the vengeance of our Lord, to comfort all those who mourn and provide for those who grieve and sigh. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, they will be called the Oaks of Righteousness, a planting of the Lord for this display of His Son. And Father, I just want to lift up now, as all the people, Paul said, that are broken in our city. Father, there's so many broken marriages, God, and more happening every day that it's even infiltrated the church. Father, I pray for those that are sick, and we hear so many depressed and suicides. And Lord, it, that we live in a culture of heaviness. Lord, I think of the opioid crisis within our city and the crime. And God, you have said that you have given us your Spirit. Father, I pray that we would just push in as a people, that we would be closer to you, to seek to walk in your spirit, Lord, so that we can go to these people and help bind
0: up the broken. In Jesus' name. Let's just lift our hands. Thank you, Kathy. Let's just say, Lord, I receive your spirit today. Lord, just fill me with your Holy Spirit. I surrender. I want to be a missional person. I wanna have an impact. I wanna be a channel of your peace, of your grace, of your goodness, of your love, of your mercy. Father, I just commission these, your children, right now, Father, in the days to come, I just pray that they will be more fruitful than they've ever been before, that you will make them more effective, that they will be used in more significant and more profound and powerful ways than ever before, that there'll be greater joy in their life, Father, they're going to be more content with their life. They're going to find that there's going to be greater sense of significance and purpose in their lives. And Lord, they are going to be instruments of righteousness in a nation that is be deteriorating in front of our eyes. But I pray, Lord, that transformation is on its way. Because Lord, we, your people, are lifting our hearts to you and saying, Lord, come. Help us to understand. Help us to realize the power us now living inside of us. Lord, may you activate your life within us. And Lord, I just pray that we will go out today with a deeper sense of mission in our soul than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you leave this morning.